Chapter Two of Let 'Em Breathe Space by Lester Del Rey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Two. Mueller's face was like an iceberg when he came down, but only after he saw Hendrix. Before then, I'd caught the fat moon calf expression on his face, and I'd heard Jenny giggling. Damn it! They'd taken enough time. Hal was already back, fussing over things with the hunk of tin and lenses he treated like a newborn baby. Doc Napier came in behind them, but separately. I saw him glance at them and look sick. Then both Mueller and Napier began concentrating on business. Napier bent his nervous, bony figure over the corpse and stood up almost at once. Murder, all right. So I guess, Dr. Napier. Mueller growled heavily at him. Wrap him up and put him between holes to freeze. We'll bury him when we land. Tremaine, give me a hand with it, will you? I'm not a laborer, Captain Mueller, Napier protested. I started to tell him where he could get off, too. But Jenny shook her head at us. Please, can't you see Captain Mueller is trying to keep too many from knowing about this? I should think you'd be glad to help. Please? put that way i guess it made sense we found some rubber sheeting in one of the lockers and began wrapping hendrix in it it wasn't pleasant since he was beginning to soften up from the enzymes he'd absorbed how about going ahead to make sure no one sees us i suggested to jenny muller opened his mouth but jenny gave one of her quick little laughs and opened the door for us doc looked relieved I guess he was trying to kid himself. Personally, I wasn't a fool. I was just hooked. I knew perfectly well she was busy playing us off against one another, and probably having a good time balancing the books. But hell, that's the way life runs. Get Pietro up here, Mueller fired after us. She laughed again and nodded. She went with us until we got to the tween holes lock, then went off after the chief. She was back with him just as we finished stuffing Hendrix through and sealing up again. Mueller grunted at us when we got back, then turned to Lomax again. The big chemist didn't look happy. He spread his hands toward us and hunched his shoulders. A fifty times overdose of chromosome in those tanks. Fortunately, none in the others and I can't find a trace of it in the fertilizer chemicals or anywhere else. Somebody deliberately put it into those tanks. Why? Pietro asked. We'd filled him in with the rough details, but it still made no sense to him. Suppose you tell me, Dr. Pietro, Mueller suggested. Chromosome is a poison most people never heard of. One of the new scientific nuisances. Pietro straightened, and his goatee bristled. If you're hinting— I am not hinting, Dr. Pietro. I'm telling you that I'm confining your group to their quarters until we can clean up this mess, distill the water that's contaminated, and replant. After that, if an investigation shows nothing, I may take your personal bond for the conduct of your people. Right now, I'm protecting my ship. But, Captain— Jenny began. Mueller managed to smile at her. 
Oh, not you, of course, Jenny. I'll need you here. With Hendricks gone, you're the closest thing we have to a farmer now. Captain Mueller, Pietro said sharply. Captain, in the words of the historical novelists, drop dead. Dr. Sanderson, I forbid you to leave your quarters as long as anyone else is confined to his. I have ample authority for that. Under emergency powers, Mueller spluttered over it, and Pietro jumped in again before he could finish. Precisely, Captain. Under emergency situations, when passengers aboard a commercial vessel find indications of total irresponsibility or incipient insanity on the part of a ship's officer, they are considered correct in assuming command for the time needed to protect themselves. We were poisoned by food prepared in your kitchen and were nearly killed by radioactivity through a leak in the engine room, and no investigation was made. We are now confronted with another situation aimed against our welfare, as the others were wholly aimed at us. And you choose to conduct an investigation against our group only. My only conclusion is that you wish to confine us to quarters, so we cannot find your motives for this last outrage. Paul, will you kindly relieve the captain of his position? They were both half right and mostly wrong. Until it was proved that our group was guilty, Mueller couldn't issue an order that was obviously discriminatory and against our personal safety in case there was an attack directed on us. He'd be mustered out of space and into the lunar cells for that. But on the other hand, the safety for passengers clause Pietro was citing applied only in the case of overt, direct, and physical danger by an officer to normal passengers. He might be able to weasel it through a court, or he might be found guilty of mutiny. It left me in a pretty position. Jenny fluttered around. Now, now, she began. I cut her off. Shut up, Jenny, and you two damned fools cool down. Damn it, we've got an emergency here, all right. We may not have air plants enough to live on. Pietro, we can't run this ship, and neither can Mueller get through what's obviously a mess that may call for all our help by confining us. Why don't you two go off and fight it out in person? Surprisingly, Pietro laughed. <laughs> I'm afraid I'd put up a poor showing against the Captain Paul. My apologies, Captain Mueller. Mueller hesitated, but finally took Pietro's hand and dropped the issue. We've got enough plants, he said, changing the subject. We'll have to cut out all smoking and other waste of air, and I'll need Jenny to work the hydroponics with any help she requires. We've got to get more seeds planted, and fast. Better keep word of this to ourselves. We— A shriek came from Jenny then. She'd been busy at one of the lockers in the chamber. Now she began ripping others open and pawing through things inside rubber gloves. Captain Mueller! The seeds! The seeds! Hal took one look, and his face turned gray. Chromosome, he reported. Every bag of seed has been filled with a solution of chromosome. They're worthless. How long before the plants here will seed? Mueller asked sharply. Three months, Jenny answered. Captain Mueller, what are we going to do? 
the dour face settled into grim determination the only sensible thing take care of these plants conserve the air and squeeze by until we can recede and dr pietro with your permission we'll turn about for earth at once we can't go on like this to proceed would be to endanger the life of every man aboard please danton jenny put her hand on pietro's arm i know what all this means to you but pietro shook her off it means the captain's trying to get out of the expedition again it's five months back to earth more by the time we kill velocity it's the same to saturn and either way in five months we've got this fixed up or we're helpless permission to return refused captain muller then if you'll be so good as to return to your quarters muller said holding himself back with an effort that turned his face red we'll start cleaning this up and not a word of this napier lomax pietro and i went back to the scientists quarters leaving muller and jenny conferring busily that was at fifteen o'clock at sixteen o'clock pietro issued orders against smoking dinner was at eighteen o'clock we sat down in silence i reached for my plate without looking and suddenly little phil riggs was on his feet raving whole wheat nothing but whole wheat bread i'm sick of it sick i won't sit down i told him i'd bitten into one of the rolls on the table it was white bread and it was the best the cook had managed so far there was corn instead of baked beans and he'd done a fair job of making a meatloaf stop making a fool of yourself phil he slumped back staring at the white bun into which he'd bitten sorry sorry it's this air so stuffy i can't breathe i can't see right pietro and i exchanged glances but i guess we weren't surprised among intelligent people on a ship of that size secrets wouldn't keep they'd all put bits together and got part of the answer pietro shrugged and half stood up to make an announcement beg pardon sirs we jerked our heads around to see bullard standing in the doorway he was scared stiff and his words got stuck in his throat then he found his voice again i heard as how hendrix went crazy and poisoned the plants and went and killed himself and we'll all die if we don't find some trick uh and what i want to know please sirs is are what you're saying right and you know all kinds of tricks and can you save us because i can't go on like this not knowing and hearing them talking outside the gallery and none of them telling me lomax cut into his flood of words you'll live bullard farmer hendrix did get killed in an accident to some of the plants but we've still got air enough captain muller has asked the help of a few of us but it's only a temporary emergency bullard stared at him and slowly some of the fear left his face though not all of it he turned and left with a curt bow of his head while pietro added a few details that weren't exactly lies to lomax's hasty cover-up along with a grateful glance at the chemist it seemed to work for the time being at least enough for riggs to begin making nasty remarks about cooked paste 
Then the tension began to build again. I don't think any of the crew talked to any of our group, and yet there seemed to be a chain of rumor that exchanged bits of information. Only the crew could have seen the dead plants being carried down to our refuse breakdown plant, and the fact it was chromosome poisoning must have been deduced from a description by some of our group. At any rate, both groups knew all about it, and a little bit more, as was usual with rumors, by the second day. Mueller should have made the news official, but he only issued an announcement that the danger was over. When Peters, our radio man navigator, found Sam and Phil Riggs smoking and dressed them down, it didn't make Mueller's words seem too convincing. I guessed that Mueller had other things on his mind. At least he wasn't in his cabin much, and I didn't see Jenny for two whole days. My nerves were as jumpy as those of the rest. It isn't too bad cutting out smoking. A man can stand imagining the air is getting stale. But when every unconscious gesture towards cigarettes that aren't there remind him of the air, and when every imagined stale stench makes him want a cigarette to relax, it gets a little rough. Maybe that's why I was in a completely rotten mood when I finally did spot Jenny going down the passageway, with the tight overalls she was wearing emphasizing every motion of her hips. I grabbed her and swung her around. Hi, stranger. Got time for a word? She sort of brushed my hand off her arm, but didn't seem to mind it. Why, I guess so, Paul. A little time. Captain Mueller's watching the ponics. Good, I said, trying to forget Mueller. Let's make it a little more private than this, though. Come on in. She lifted an eyebrow at the open door of my cabin, made with a little giggle, and stepped inside. I followed her and kicked the door shut. She reached for it, but I had my back against it. Paul, she tried to get around me, but I wasn't having any. I pushed her back onto the only seat in the room, which was the bunk. She got up like a spring uncoiling. Paul Tremaine, you open that door. You know better than that. Paul, please. What makes me any different than the others? You spend plenty of time in Mueller's cabin, and you've been in Pietro's often enough. Probably Doc Napier's, too. Her eyes hardened, but she decided to try the patient and reason with the child line. That is different. Captain Mueller and I have a great deal of business to work out. Sure. And he looks great in lipstick. It was a shot in the dark, but it went home. I wished I'd kept my darn mouth shut. Before I'd been suspecting it, now I knew. She turned pink and tried to slap me, which won't work when the girl is sitting on a bunk and I'm on my feet. You mind your own business. I'm doing that. Generations should stick together, and he's old enough to be your father. She leaned back and studied me. Then she smiled slowly, and something about it made me sick inside. I like older men, Paul. They make people my own age seem so callow, so unfinished. It's so comforting to have mature people around. I always did have an Electra complex. The Greeks had plenty of names for it, kid, I told her. 
Don't get me wrong. If you want to be a slut, that's your own business. But when you pull the innocent act on me and then fall back to Southmore psychology... This time she stood up before she slapped. Before her hand stung my face, I was beginning to regret what I'd said. Afterwards, I didn't give a damn. I picked her up off the floor, slapped her soundly on the rump, pulled her tight against me, and kissed her. She tried scratching my face, then went passive and wound up with one arm around my neck and the other in the hair at the back of my head. When I finally put her down, she sank back onto the bunk, breathing heavily. Oh, why, Paul! And she reached out her arms as I came down to meet them. For a second, the world looked pretty good. Then a man's hoarse scream cut through it all, with the sound of heavy steps in panic flight. I jerked up. Jenny hung on. Paul, Paul! But there was the smell of death in the air, suddenly. I broke free and was out into the corridor. The noise seemed to come from the shaft that led to the engine room, and I jumped for it while I heard doors slam. This time there was a commotion, like a wet sack being tossed around in a Pentagon steel barrel, and another hoarse scream that cut off in the middle to a gargling sound. I reached the shaft and started down the center rail, not bothering with the hand grips. I could hear something rustle below, followed by silence, but I couldn't see a thing. The lights had been cut. I could feel things poking into my back before I landed. I always get the creeps when there's death around, and that last sound had been just that, somebody's last sound. I knew somebody was going to kill me before I could find the switch. Then I stumbled over something, and my hair stood on end. I guess my own yell was pretty horrible. It scared me worse than I was already. But my fingers found the switch somehow, and the light flashed on. Sam lay on the floor, with blood still running from a wide gash across his throat. A big kitchen knife was still stuck in one end of the horrible wound, and one of his fingers was half sliced off where the blade of a switchblade shiv had failed on him and snapped back. Something sounded above me, and I jerked back. But it was Captain Mueller coming down the rail. The man had obviously taken it all in on the way down. He jerked the switchblade out of Sam's death grasp and looked at the point of the knife. There was blood further back from the cut finger, but none on the point. Damn! Mueller tossed it down in disgust. If he'd scratched the other man, we'd have had a chance to find who it was. Tremaine, have you got an alibi? I was with Jenny, I told him, and watched his eyes begin to hate me. But he nodded. We picked Sam up together and lugged his body up to the top of the shaft, where the crowd had collected. Pietro, Peters, the cook, Grundy, and Lomax were there. Beyond them, the dark-haired, almost masculine head of Eve Nolan showed, her eyes studying the body of Sam as if it were a negative in her darkroom. As usual, Bill Sanderson was as close to her as he could get. But there was no sign now of Jenny. I glanced up the corridor, but saw only Wilcox and Phil Riggs, with Walt Harris trailing them, rubbing the sleep out of his eyes. 
Mueller moved directly to Pietro. Six left in my crew now, Dr. Pietro. First Hendrix, now Sam. Can you still say that the attack is on your crew, when mine keep being killed? This time, sir, I demand— Give em hell, Captain, ape-man Grundy broke in. Cut the fancy stuff and let's get the damned murderin' rats. Mueller's eyes quartered him, spitted his carcass, and began turning him slowly over a bed of coals. Mr. Grundy, I am master of the Wahoo. I fail to remember asking for your piratical advice. Dr. Pietro, I trust you will have no objections if I ask Mr. Peters to investigate your section and group thoroughly? Not at all, Captain Mueller, Pietro answered. I trust Peters, and I feel sure you'll permit me to delegate Mr. Tremaine to inspect the remainder of the ship? Mueller nodded curtly. Certainly. Until the madman is found, we are all in danger. And unless he is found, I insist I must protect my crew and my ship by turning back to Earth. I cannot permit that, sir. Your permission for that was not requested, Dr. Pietro. Yes, Bullard? The cook had been squirming and muttering to himself for minutes. Now he darted out toward Grundy and his finger pointed at Lomax. He done it. I seen him. Killed the only friend I had, he did. Then went by my galley and... Uh, and he grabbed my big knife. Uh, that one there. And he killed Sam. You're sure it was Lomax? Mueller asked sharply. Sure, I'm sure. Sam, he was acting queer lately. He was worried. Told me he saw something and he was going to know for sure. He borrowed my switchblade knife that my wife gave me and he went out looking for something. Then I heard him a-running and I looked up and there was this guy chasing him. Sure, I seen him with my own eyes. Eve Nolan chuckled throatily, throwing her mannish-cut hair back from her face. She was almost pretty, with an expression on her countenance, even if it was amused disgust. Captain Mueller, that's a nice story. But Dr. Lomax was with me in my dark room, working on some spectroanalysis slides. Bill Sanderson and Phil Riggs were waiting outside for us and Mr. Peters saw us come out together when we all ran down here. Peters nodded. Mueller stared at us for a second, and the hunting lust died out of his eyes, leaving them blank and cold. He turned to Bullard. Bullard, an explanation might make me reduce your punishment. If you have anything to say, say it now. The cook was gibbering and actually drooling with fear. He shook, and sweat popped out all over him. My knife! I had to say something. They stole my knife. They wanted it to look like I'd done it. God, Captain, you'd have done the same. Can't punish a man for trying to save his life. I'm a good man, I am. Can't whip a good man. Can't— Give him twenty-five lashes with the wire, Mr. Grundy, Mueller said flatly. Pietro let out a shriek on top of the cook's. He started forward, but I caught him. Captain Mueller's right, I told him. On a spaceship, the full crew is needed. The brig is useless, so the space-enabling charter recognizes flogging. Something is needed to maintain discipline. Pietro dropped back reluctantly, but Lomax faced the captain. 
The man is a coward, hardly responsible, Captain Mueller. I'm the wounded party in this case, but it seems to me that hysteria isn't the same thing as maliciousness. Suppose I ask for clemency? Thank you, Dr. Lomax, Mueller said, and actually looked relieved. Make it ten lashes, Mr. Grundy. Apparently no real harm has been done, and he will not testify in the future. Grundy began dragging Bullard out, muttering about damn fool ground-lubbers always sticking their noses in. The cook caught at Lomax's hand on the way, literally slobbering over it. Lomax rubbed his palm across his thigh, looking embarrassed. Mueller turned back to us. Very well. Mr. Peters will begin investigating the expedition staff and quarters. Mr. Tremaine will have free run over the rest of the ship. And if the murderer is not turned up in forty-eight hours, we head back to Earth. Pietro started to protest again, but another scream ripped down the corridor, jerking us all around. It was Jenny running toward us. She was breathing hoarsely as she nearly crashed into Dr. Pietro. Her face was white and sick, and she had to try twice before she could speak. The, the plants, she gasped out. Poison! They're dying! End of chapter 2